Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. And Tim, today as we are now going to be looking at probably the third event, I guess, in Jesus' life will be, um, you know, a couple of miracles. This is one of the miracles, the changing water into wine is a miracle. And then he had a conversation with the Samaritan in between. Um, you know, so at least a third recorded miracle that we're going to be talking about. And it, I find it interesting that in the first two miracles that Jesus did, Jesus is the one who did the approaching, or he is the one who did the seeking. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I don't know, I, I kind of like that, where I were told in Scripture that man by themselves do not naturally want to seek God. Mm-hmm. And why would that be? And why, why is it that you and I, or, or mankind in general, does not want to seek God? I think there's a couple of different reasons. I'm sure there's a lot more than that. But two of the biggest reasons, I think, is number one, we're afraid of what he might point out. Yeah. Uh, that we don't, we, we like to live in our darkness because in the darkness, no matter how much of a mess our lives is, it looks okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Until the light comes and sheds light on all that. Uh, uh, the other aspect, I think, is we just don't think we're worthy of. And so this concept, I'm sure for the Samaritan woman, for instance, even though, as a people, they were, you know, wanting to see the Messiah, because of the condition of her life, she felt very unworthy to be approached by the Messiah of all people. Same thing with the gentleman that we're going to read about here today. Yep. You know, that there's just this aspect of, you know, G- Jesus comes for the other people. A- in fact, as, as a man that was lame that we're going to be talking about, he would have been considered unclean right. and, and unable to even approach the temple. So why would God want to approach me? And so that concept of him approaching God was almost, in his own mind, a reality that he could only dream about. It was never something that he ever considered could ever become a reality for him. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a young gal, I think she's new on the on the contemporary Christian list. Ann Wilson, I don't know if you've heard her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a song called uh, Tell You About My Jesus. Mm-hmm. And one of the parts of the lyrics that she says is there's nobody too dirty. Mm-hmm. There's nobody too unclean yeah. that Jesus doesn't want to touch, that Jesus mm-hmm. doesn't want to heal. Now, with this man that we're going to be talking about today at the pool, you know, he wanted to wait for it. Somebody would have to take him and put him into that pool. Mm-hmm. But if he was considered a leper or considered unclean, who would have taken hold of him and done that? Right. Probably nobody. So where was his hope? And, and that's one of the things that I think we want to look at as we look at this is when Jesus comes and approaches him, he approaches him to give the man some hope. Mm-hmm. And certainly today, I don't know if I'm seeing it more than I should be, whatever, but it seems like a lot of people are without hope. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like a hopeless society when mm-hmm. we are living in our culture. Yeah. And along with that comes this aspect of always feeling like you're a victim. Yeah. 
Yeah, you because know, as he stated, you know, I, I have no one yep. to take me into the water. And so it's um, not just this aspect of hopelessness, because he had tried and was never able to get down their head. So now it get, just became easier to say it's somehow it's other people's fault yep. that I'm not whole at this point and, and begins to, to move that that sense of hopelessness onto some other people. And we lots of times do that uh, when, you know, think about when people experience grief, how many times do they get angry at God? Well, God, yeah. you did this to me. Why me? Or, or they get angry with that individual <clears throat> or they get angry with other people who weren't there for them, right? But always easier to push it out from beyond ourselves. And some, not that that even ends up giving us hope, but it somehow makes it easier to deal with the reality in which we find ourselves sometimes. You know, and, and we're going to have prayer in just a moment and have you read the scripture, but I want to go back to the Samaritan woman for just a moment. Um, I, I watched an episode of The Chosen mm. having to do with the Samaritan woman, and I thought it was very intriguing how they portrayed it, how they, in the drama that they did, is because the woman did say, he tells me all the things that I have done, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it isn't described what those things were in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But in the dramatization of the chosen, I watched and Jesus was talking to her one-on-one and saying, well, your first husband's name was this, mm-hmm. and, and he was abusive, he was this, he was that. Your second husband's name was this, and you know, he was really a good guy, and you really liked him and all this. Mm-hmm. And then the third husband. And, you know, and even though that was not pronounced in the scripture, it gave me a realization of, of the intimacy in which Jesus was willing to talk to her. Mm-hmm. So that when she describes, he tells me all things that I have done, um, though John does not relay it to us, I can now see it a little more clearly. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciated what the chosen had done in yeah. doing that, without, without I think embellishing too much or mm-hmm. without adding too much to scripture, but just mm-hmm. simply the conversation, how right. the conversation could have gone, mm-hmm. and uh, I really I really enjoyed that, mm-hmm. you know, watching that that segment of it. But that's, you know, once again, that's that was just neither here nor there. But just how Jesus approached her. Right. and how Jesus now is going to approach this young man or this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, one question before we read this, read this portion. It says that he was lame for 38 years. Does that mean that that's how old he was? Or did he contract a sickness and maybe he was in his 40s? We mm-hmm. have no idea. Right. But, but he'd been lame at least for 38 years. So mm-hmm. he could be at least 38 years old yeah. or he could be older and just have contracted some yeah. sort of disease. Now, I, I would tend to believe he was probably older because lots of t- any, usually anywhere else, it'll say he was born this way, yeah. right? Like the man who was born blind actually tells us that. Right. Where here it doesn't say that, where they attach a specific number of years for the um, infirmity would lead me to think that he was probably contracted at some other point in the course of yeah. of life. Yeah, so he would have been, yeah, beyond that age. And, and that's what I was thinking, but I just wanted to, to get there. I'm going to open in prayer and then ask the Lord to be with us. We're going to be looking at John's Gospel, chapter 5, um, verses 1 through 18, at least that's what our intention is, and going with the study of the uh, this miraculous healing in which Jesus does and... Uh, just trying to find out for all of us. All of us want to be made whole. Mm. Yet there's nothing today in our world that will do that mm. with the exception of Jesus Christ. 
Right. And and I thoroughly believe, and Tim, I'm sure does, is that if you want to be made whole, he is the only way that's we right. are going to be made whole, mm-hmm. complete again. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean, is complete again, become that completed person that God mm-hmm. wants us to be. You've got to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to open a prayer, and then I'm going to have Tim read the first 18 verses. Father, we thank you so very much. Lord God, for your word, we thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for the reality of it. We thank you for um, the miracle of it, Father, to see that you loved us so much. You sent your son. And Lord God, not just to die on Calvary's tree for us, Mm. but also, Lord, to, to show his compassion, to show how much he loves us. And there's so many things which he did. Lord God, help Tim and I as we share this, help everyone who watches and listens, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would be able to work in their hearts and draw something out of this that will help them to be made whole. So, Father God, we love you and we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. So, starting with chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick, people blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. After Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews saw all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Wow, what a, what a jam-packed uh, portion of Scripture this is, in telling about the, the healing of this sick man, mm-hmm. but then the religious people. And, and, mm-hmm. and I say that because, you know, the more and more I read the more and more I understand that what we have is a relationship with the living mm-hmm. God and, and not religiosity or right. trying to uh, maintain or do something to gain favor with God. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly there is nothing here 
that would indicate to us that this man found favor with God mm-hmm. or did anything to deserve favor with God. In fact, Jesus is approaching him yep. and saying to him, knowing that he'd been ill for 38 years, that, you know, do you want to be made whole? So he asked him the question. And, and isn't that the same kind of question that he asks all of us today? Um, do you want to be made whole? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I mean, he he asked that for me. I mean, do you want salvation? Do you right. want eternal life? Yes, I want eternal life. Yeah. And you see Jesus take that approach many, many times, yeah. not just with this man, but how many times? I, th- I think of a blind man that he encountered, and he walks up to this blind man who is um, who is just in such dire need, and looks at him in the eye and says, "What do you want me to do?" Yeah. Now. My brain is just weird to begin with, but what's often gone through my mind is this. What would have happened if this blind man looked at him and said, well, you know, I got this tickle in my throat I'd like yeah. you to take care of? <laughs> well, God have only taken care of the tickle, yeah. you know? But regardless, you know, we can debate that question till the cows come home. But here's the point. Jesus wanted to know, what is it you need from me? Jesus isn't saying he can't deliver. He just wants to know what, what, what is it we're desiring of him. Not that he's just going to meet our every whim. It's not like he's some genie and that whatever you make, in, make requests of, he's just going to give it to you. He comes to this man specifically and says, and, and presents a, a, a question for him. And that's, as you said, do you want to be made whole? Implying, I can make this happen for you. Because Jesus would not have made that offer unless he could have. This wasn't a, do you want to be made whole? Oh, yes, I would. Oh, that's nice. I'll pray for you. Yeah. No, Jesus right. comes to offer because he has the ability to grant it. But he wanted that man to identify it within himself and say, yes, this is what I desire of you. You know, I, I have a question. And, and in reading this portion of Scripture, as well as others, you know, for example, the woman at the well and so forth, is with Jesus asking that question, is it implying that there are some who don't want to be made well? Mm. Because why would he ask that question? Mm. You know, do you like being in your infirmities? Do you like people um, tending to you? Do you, whatever the case may be, you know, mm-hmm. do, you, do you like being in that or do you want something better? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. And, and it's the same thing that, that you know, I mean, just like the woman at the well, I mean, do you like living in your sin? Mm-hmm. You can go do that if you want to, but I want to give you something where you don't want to live in your sin anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we ask people today in our world, in our culture, society, um, you know, Jesus Christ wants to make us whole. He wants to make us a completed person. Mm-hmm. And we can't be a completed person without the... God coming in and doing a work. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people, I think, at least I've been in ministry long enough to know that there are some people who love to live in misery. Mm-hmm. And last time, put Jesus coming and what he's offering to bring us is something a lot more than what we think we have need of. Yeah. Because Jesus' questions, I find it wonderful that he doesn't look at him and say, do you want to walk again? Yeah. He doesn't say that. He makes a comment, do you want to be made whole? Mm. Now, we see from his response and stuff that, yeah, that that man was thinking of it in terms of his physical healing. And was Jesus coming to bring that? Yeah. But that wasn't the extent of the wholeness. Right. Because Jesus, as we read in this passage, encounters him a second time. The first time he brings the physical healing, but the second time 
he looks at him and says, now go sin no more. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about that because I, you know, because as I looked at it, and you know, you go down, read the first 13 verses, mm -hmm. and then you got verse 14 where he goes and says to him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more. Mm -hmm. So my question to you was going to be, so when was the man saved? Mm. Was he at that physical healing or was he in the second encounter Mm. what God goes and says to him. And the very same thing, I think, with the woman. Mm. You know, um, do you want water that we will never thirst again? Or do you mm -hmm. just, are you just satisfied with the water that mm -hmm. you drink and it will quench your thirst for a while, but then you're going to get thirsty again? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that same kind of question that he's yeah. asked her, he's asking this impotent man, as I, as I see it. Mm -hmm. And you definitely see it, there's a process unfolding here. He didn't do everything all at once. Yeah. And I just find that very interesting, because it would have been so easy for him, because we see him do it other times. But in this time, no. He gives the physical healing. And, then, and we don't know how much time kind of went by here. Yep. It may have been just a day. Yep. It could have been a week. We don't know. But then he comes back. And he does more of the work. And, and I think it's important for us to understand that wholeness, more often than not, is not an instantaneous thing. Number one, yeah. it involves more than just the thing that we're identifying that we have need of. There's something more God wants to bring to us. And lots of times our thinking of being whole is, you know, maybe, you know, we're experiencing grief. Maybe we've experienced a loss of mobility, or maybe we've, you know, experienced the loss of a job or whatever. Um, or we're just feeling in despair or depressed. And so our thought of God make me whole means take away the depression. Right. You know, <clears throat> give me, you know, give me a good job, a, a good job, whatever the case is. And Jesus is basically stating, I'll meet you there. But I want to bring a lot more than this. Mm -hmm. I, I, for me to bring wholeness into your life is more than me just ministering to your temporal need. It's me ministering to an eternal need. And the eternal need for this man and for all of us is what? That we go and we sin no more. Or in other words, as he makes us whole, now we choose to be holy. Yeah. You know, and, and begin like to that. walk the way that he wants us to walk. And so that's what he brings him to. Meets him where he is, as I heard a pastor say once, but loves him too much to let him stay there. Yeah. And yeah. calls him out to something greater. Right. You know, and, you know, just thinking about my own salvation experience, um, you know, I had attended this this Bible church for uh, quite some time, mm -hmm. uh, pretty content in going. Yeah. Uh, I was active in the youth group. I was, you know, and, and things of that nature, and I was pretty content with that. But, but looking back, I can see how God, you know, brought me to this fellowship, and then after a while, and for me it was like a year or a little better, after a while he had to deal with the internal um, problem, mm -hmm. not just the external of being accepted by a group of people and all these other things, right. but also then he came to the point of saying, okay, now it's time for me to, to really do the work. Mm. And that is the internal work that has to be done. Right. And he did the physical work, the first 12 or 13 verses, and then the spiritual work in verse 14, mm -hmm. where he, he goes and he pronounces, go and sin no more. And he says that to both this man and he did it to the woman. Yep. So therefore, there has to be something to that where God is saying to us, like you said, you know, to be made whole, you have to walk holy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
that's what this mm -hmm. to yeah. me this is great and it's not to say that we're going to be perfect we, oh, we know none not. of us is there i'm not like i said between the two of us we've been walking with lord over 100 years right and both of us are still very far from being perfect mm -hmm. you know it's only by god's grace that we're in the roles that he has us in and it's allowing him to work through us but Every moment of every day, we have to be willing to let him make us more holy and more holy and more holy. So it's not a matter of thinking of holy meaning that we are somehow or another perfect or that we're somehow or another so close to looking like God. But are we in that process? And I've, I've learned over my life that sometimes, you know, he'll come to me today and say, okay, now go and sin no more like he did with this man. Yep. I'm like, okay, you know what? And for a while, I do pretty good at that. But then he's like, okay, now that you got that figured out, now let me point out this other one over here. Mm -hmm. And little by little, he unfolds one thing after another, yeah. after another. And and he, he not to overwhelm us with all these things, yeah. knowing that if he showed us every frailty that we have in a moment's notice, we'd look at it and say... We couldn't handle it. We couldn't, you know, and, and, and we would cower and we would just simply stay in our lifestyle. But he meets us where we are and he... Light of that old hymn, right? He walks with us and he talks with us and yeah. he tells us that we're his own. And that includes even in the midst of our, our frailty, in the midst of our of our own sin that we struggle with. He's there walking with us and talking with us if our heart is really wanting to follow after him. And that's what we mean by being holy. It's having that kind of a pure heart, much like David did, that even though he sinned with Bathsheba, he was a man after God's own heart. Because when that was pointed out to him, what did he do? admitted his sin, yep. said, I don't want anything standing in the way. And then he wrote some of those incredible psalms like, you know, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, the, the, the idea of you not of me not being in your presence is worse than death to me yep. kind of concept. And that's what it means to be holy. Not that you're doing everything proper, but your heart at least is. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, uh, and I've been doing a study on Sunday mornings about the, the heroes of of uh, Hebrews 11, mm -hmm. and I've been kind of stuck on Abraham for the last few weeks, and I will be this week. But one of the things that I, I find interesting when God is talking to Abraham about Isaac, he called him his beloved son or his only son. Mm -hmm. And you look at that and say, wait a minute, Isaac wasn't his only son. He had Ishmael. Mm -hmm. But the difference is one was conceived in sin, mm -hmm. Isaac was not. Mm -hmm. And not that he didn't have sin because he was from a human father. But the thing is, your, your only son, why? Because this is the one I promised you. Mm -hmm. I didn't promise you Ishmael. Right. Yeah. You know, and therefore he goes, and, and you know, you look at Abraham, you look at David, mm -hmm. you look at any of them. Certainly they had their frailties, just like you and I have our frailties. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's one of the mysteries and marvels of the scripture is how God can take regular everyday human beings like you mm -hmm. and I and use us for his glory and to his praise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and he's going to do the same thing with this young man right? in, in dealing with the religious people. Mm -hmm. Now, in saying that, let's go to back to verse 1 because both, both Tim and I, you know, preach a, a relationship with Jesus mm -hmm. Christ and not a, a religiosity, if you will. But we do know that Jesus... Um, went and he went to the feasts and he did the the religious thing if you will you know and i'm and i you know just saying it that way because in verse one and after there was a feast of the jews and jesus went up to jerusalem why to observe that mm -hmm. i mean that's he he did it just like all the rest of the jews did mm -hmm. it and yeah well because and that was, kind of thing because it was a command of the father yeah 
You know, because again, remembering that during this 30, first 33 years that we see recorded in the Gospels, they are still under the Old Testament right, law. Right, they're under the law. Right. Until Jesus dies and is resurrected again. Then comes the new covenant, right? And But up until this point, while Jesus is walking this earth, if he is to be holy, right. then he needs to follow what the Father has set forth and commands. And going up and celebrating these feasts was one of those things. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and, and, so, and Jesus did that perfectly. So, you know, let us, let us make clear that though we are... We are uh, not preaching saved by works or right. saved by rituals. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there are certain things in which we, just for our own satisfaction, we want to maintain or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong either. No. You know, as long as it, it doesn't interfere with my relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus Christ. In fact, I think we need to have those theologies of remembrance. Yeah. Right? And just as he laid out, because these things weren't just about having a feast. It was about having a party. It was what did it represent? What was it celebrating? Like the Feast of Passover. It was to remind them of God's deliverance. Why? Because it was going to be a foreshadowing of what was yet to come. So that they'd be able to see, oh, hold it. He talked about the deliverance. There was a lamb that was sacrificed. Whoa, here's Jesus is now that lamb. He has now become that. And so there was a need for, for to have that celebration and that level of remembrance. And it also helps keep us close to the faith. Um, much for the same reason that, you know, if you're in a place of employment and they have competencies that you take, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's things that you've taken before, but they want you to take them again. Why? To keep it fresh in your mind. Yep. To, to make sure that you always keep the main thing the main thing. And and that's what the, the this um, aspect of remembering is. We do it today. We might not even, in, in a lot of Protestant churches, celebrate a lot of these feasts, but you know what? We remember Christmas. Yep. We remember Good Friday. We remember Easter that we're about ready to come up on. Why? Because, not that those celebrations somehow save you, but it helps us remember Jesus. You know, and, and wouldn't that be the same as, for example, we celebrate communion? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we take the bread and the cup. We we celebrate, and we're commanded by God to do this. We celebrate uh, baptisms. Mm-hmm. You know, not that baptism would save you. However, what does it do? It, it is a, a representation or it is a picture of you identifying with Jesus Christ and letting yeah. the outwardly express mm-hmm. I am identifying with his death his burial his resurrection and right. and I'm not ashamed to do that so we you know we're commanded by God to do that mm-hmm. and and to me that is of very much of the importance so these feasts were very important to Jesus and these feasts were very important to the Jewish people and they needed to maintain those um, for example at our church and, and I think you do it at yours too. At our church, you know, we do sing some of the. I love a lot of the newer songs. I love mm-hmm. a lot of the new contemporary music, but boy, do I love the old hymns. Mm-hmm. You know, and we make sure that we sing at least one old hymn mm-hmm. a Sunday because I don't want to lose that. Right. You know, I don't want to lose you know that closeness or that that relationship, and also the lyrics. I mean, many of the lyrics are just absolutely. Wow, you know, uh, we sang a little chorus last night in, in prayer meeting. Uh, I love you, Lord, and mm-hmm. I lift my voice. You know, just a little chorus, but it just kind of brings you back to, Lord, I just want to let you know I love you. Interesting, because we're doing that very one this Sunday. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. So, so I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I just love, 
you know, I mean, Patty, I mean, she reminds me often, hey, you haven't told me you love me yet today, or you've only told me you love me two or three times and not the dozen times I want to hear it, you know. We need to do that. Mm. Let's not be afraid to tell Jesus I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, and now some people say, well, you look weird. You're talking to yourself and you're saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you know, wait a minute. I'm sorry. If you have an intimate relationship with him, you're not going to be afraid to tell him you do. Right. You know, that kind of thing. So that's, so we do see that Jesus is celebrating uh, mm-hmm. some of the religious feasts and some of the things. Why? Because remember, he is not on the grace yet. He's under law, and certainly these are a command which God the Father had given. Mm-hmm. And I think that he did it also to show, you know, what is going to happen, you know, like the Passover. Mm-hmm. You know, the death angel, if you see the blood on the doorpost, death angel will pass over you. Well, mm-hmm. we have the blood of Jesus Christ, so the death angel will pass over us. And, and not that we're not going to die, but we're going to go to heaven to be with him and, mm-hmm. and have eternal life and, and things of that nature. So. These are very, very important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, you know, any, you know, all of this stuff is of no effect anymore mm-hmm. because it isn't. It's still yep. very much, it should be very much a part mm-hmm. of us in our worship experience. Right. And, like, and that's exactly, it should be a part of, it shouldn't be the main focus. Yeah. Right? Um, the main focus, and that's what I think Jesus is helping them see here because you see it in the fact that he's coming to celebrate these feasts. You see it in the fact of the day that he is coming. Sabbath, yeah, that all this is happening, and of course, as we see, as the Pharisees begin to show us, their eyes were on the religious aspect, the, the religion that they were performing more than the what what it is that God wanted to bring, yeah, in in that moment, and, and they made those things the focus rather than Christ the focus, and and we need to make sure that we don't err that way, yeah, um, that we somehow or another place those, like I said, place the hymns or place the communion or place the baptism somehow or another over the fact of why we're really come together. It is to be with him. Right. And it is to worship him. And so that's always got to be at the foremost. And then yeah. all the rest of that stuff flows yeah. out of the life that comes from that. You know, one of the things that I've learned, and, and I probably have known it all along, but it just has come to light to me in, in my teaching on, on Abraham recently, is when Abraham said to the young men that he left at the bottom of the, of the mountain, you stay here while Isaac and I go up and worship. Mm-hmm. And how many of us would look at sacrificing our son, for example, as a form of worship? Mm. But it is. Mm-hmm. By the way, Jesus being sacrificed by the Father was worship mm-hmm. to the Father. Yeah. You know, but how many of us see that? Mm-hmm. You know, we look at it as a, as a horrendous occurrence, mm-hmm. uh, something terrible that was happening, mm-hmm. and God the Father was taking it as worship. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, to really get, get into that and say, mm-hmm. wow, well, this is the same thing he's doing here. Yeah. You know, same thing he's doing here. So let's get into this. In verse 1, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up in Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Peseda, having five porches. Now, you know, the importance of all of that, of different porches and things of that nature, um, you know. Uh, I, I, just, I just love the way that God just 
puts his little highlights and exclamation yeah. points to everything. Because right. you know that everything, Jesus never did said anything idly. He never did right. anything idly. So why, why not heal this man when he was, why not show up in his home? Yep. No, he waited till he was here to show up. And I love the fact it's where? By a sheep gate. Yeah. Well, smell here, it. Smell it. I mean, it's smelly, it's stinky, but here's the good shepherd. Yep. You know, in fact, that's what he identifies himself as later in the book of John, is I am the good shepherd. And here he shows up to the sheep. What did he call his disciples to do? Eventually. I mean, yep. We see when he lays out yep. to Peter, I want you to feed, want my, you to feed sheep, my sheep. Right? Sure. So I'm coming to where the people are. And by the way, they're my sheep. But then there's this. And then having five porches. And of course, when you see the number five lots of times in Scripture, that number is uh, equated pretty synonymous with the word grace. Mm. And you see this even with the tabernacle. The tabernacle be the place of the holiness and the glory and the law and everything that God is and all of his authority. But yet you see the number five throughout the dimensions of the curtains and the fencing that went around that tabernacle. And so the only way you could come in is you had to enter through grace. Yep. You had to enter through these pictures of the number five before you could really experience God for who he is. And so now here you've got Jesus showing up to a sheep at a sheep gate, Yep. which has got grace all around it. Yeah. You know, it just I just love it. Yeah, no, that, that that is neat. That's a great teaching too. And and I look at these Tim as, you know, talking about the five porches just the way I see it, at least the way you know, in my reading is that these are five different colonnades or five different areas where people gathered. Mm -hmm. And so you can see this. You have the, this pool of Bethesda and the infirmed and the lame are gathering gathered there at that colonnade or that porch. You have maybe those who are whole gathering at another porch. You have those who may be selling and buying gathering at another porch. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have different sections mm -hmm. of this. And this is the section where the lame and the infirmed and those who need uh, something, mm -hmm. you know, miraculous to happen. They were gathering there. They, they were a part of this. And probably the commoner, and, and I say that, the commoner would not go into that porch. Mm. This would be a porch for, for those who were, whether it be lepers or paralyzed or whatever the case mm. may be, those who, who had the infirmities. Mm. So I think that that's one of the reasons that he, he goes and he's specific to this, is that there are five porches. Now he goes and says, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And, and I find that very, very interesting. What is it, once a year that the angel would come down and move the water? Or is it, you know, is, is, is that what the, what the time period is? I, I really don't it, know. It just, it just says here a certain time. Yeah. So maybe, at, maybe just at these feasts, mm -hmm. these days of the feast that they have. And they have, what, five feasts and, mm -hmm. that they would celebrate all during the year and things of that mm -hmm. nature. So I don't know. You know, and once again, these are the things that God has not um, want to or did not spend time telling us mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah. And I think because he didn't want us to get hung up on it. Yeah. Well, I think right? that, I think that's true because and a lot of times we can, we yeah, can get so hung not, up on that's the, not the, purpose the, of the incidentals. Yeah. yeah, the incidentals. So, so we had that. But an angel came down in verse 4 
at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So it says, you know, it wasn't any particular disease. Anybody with a disease, whoever the first one was, would go in and do this. Mm -hmm. And, And this, somehow you look at it and you say, well, this is certainly a great picture of God's grace. Mm-hmm. troubling the water and having that person. But then you look at it and say, boy, I feel bad for the guy who can't move fast enough to, to jump in mm-hmm. or to do this, like this impotent man that Jesus encounters. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but that's just the way it was in those days, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I can't explain it any different than that. Mm-hmm. You know, but anyway, so there was, you know, there was a time that they had to go and get into this water. Right. Now, a certain man, and, and I love the way he does it, because it's almost like Jesus always had this guy on his heart. Mm-hmm. You know, just like he always had, I must needs go through Samaria. You know, he always had this woman on his heart to go and to visit with and to, mm-hmm. to share with and to make whole. You know, mm-hmm. so a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. And when Jesus saw him lay and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And mm-hmm. this is the this is the whole dimension of our conversation this this afternoon. And and you know, how many people today really want to be made whole? Or mm-hmm. do they want to stay laying in their infirmities? Yeah. And of course the the great infirmity that all mankind is faced with is sin. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, and Jesus is going to approach that in verse 14, right. but he doesn't approach it right off here. Mm-hmm. I think he, is there a reason that he waits until verse 14 to say about go and sin no more? Or is, is there something there, Tim, that you, you can see? Well, if I, all I can think of is that if I was this lame man and I'm laying there, you know what? You could, if Jesus came to me and said, look, I need to sin no more. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's not what's foremost on my thinking. Yeah, I, I especially if I've been in this How condition do I do that? for this long, and I'm still willing to come to this place. I've got some level of hope, but yeah, I feel hopeless at the same time. Yep. And you know, here I am, and today I, I want it worse than I did yesterday, but something tells me that just like yesterday, I'm going to go home, and I'm still going to be lame. Yep. And. If Jesus came to me and said, look, I want you to live a holy life, I don't think I could have heard it because all I can hear right now is my pain. Yeah. All I can hear right now is my distress. And so Jesus is like, okay, let's get that boulder out of the way first. Yep. And so he took care of it. And now when he came and talked about sinning no more, that was no longer a barrier in that, that man's life. And on top of that, who else could have made him whole? unless this man was sent from God to begin with. So now he has earned the right to be able to speak into my life and tell me, you now need to live holy. You know, I, I look at this, and, and once again, this is how I see it and, mm-hmm. and, and how it worked in my own life is this, is Jesus went and introduced himself to this man mm-hmm. and said to him, I can heal you. Mm. Get up and walk. And it doesn't give any indication. Verse 7, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said, Rise up, take up thy bed, and walk. 
immediately, verse 9, mm-hmm. the man was made whole. Now, it seems to me that if we're going to introduce people to Jesus Christ, and I think that that is the mm-hmm. job of every single believer, absolutely, is to try to introduce to the best of as God allows us to Jesus Christ. When I was in college, I took evangelism mm-hmm. classes. And I would have, uh, I had quite a discussion with the professor who was teaching evangelism because I had to present a case and the, and the case was this, I need to win people to me before I can win them to Jesus. Mm. And he argued with me. And in fact, he gave me a flunking grade for that, mm. for that, for that period, for that thing. And I said, wait a minute, no, I need to go and introduce my Savior, mm-hmm. so that they get to know who He is before they can know that He can make them whole. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think Jesus is doing here, saying, hey, here I am. I'm the Son of God. Mm-hmm. I'm God's Son. I can make you whole. But let me do it, as we talked about earlier, let me do it in increments. Mm-hmm. You know, and so instead of just doing this radical thing, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to do it in increments so that you can understand and, and see who I really am. Because mm-hmm. I remember in my own salvation experience that it may have taken a year or a year and a half for me to come to know Christ as my Savior, but I was being introduced mm-hmm. to this Jesus all along. Mm-hmm. And then the Spirit of God was able to come and touch my heart and say, all right, now let's get to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you need well, to deal with this part of it. Well, you think about, again, in light of what you just said, I think Jesus would have got a flunking grade too. Yeah. Because let's face it, if you put Jesus up against, if you, as he ministers here to what we are told in a lot of these evangelism classes, yeah. he royally missed an opportunity here. Yeah. He totally did a misstep according to those, what we try to teach people. Because what you've got is Jesus showing up, never once talking about spiritual matters, never once trying to point out his sin, just looks at this man, says, do you want to be made whole? Yep. And then he doesn't really even come straight out and say, yes, I do. But he implies it by saying, no one's here to let me in. And then Jesus waits for nothing more and just says, take up your bed and walk. Yep. And then when he turns around, Jesus is gone. Mm-hmm. It's like all he came there to do was just heal him, not to convince him of anything, not to capitalize on the moment. I'm just coming in love to meet you right where you are right. today. And you know what? I don't even care if you know what my name is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he, he really didn't know. <laughs> he, he's just a stranger that comes up and just yep. makes my life different. But you know you know what the key is as I, as I watch this? What really, what really touched this man I'm not sure is that he was physically made whole. Mm-hmm. I think what really touched that man is that he saw that Jesus loved him mm-hmm. and was willing to converse with him, was mm-hmm. willing to go to him, was yeah. willing to, to raise him up and, and do that. And meet him with absolutely no strings yeah, attached. No agenda, just there. Yeah. And I, I think the time when I was, um, it gives me a picture of that, uh, and I was a believer. Actually, I was a minister at another church, and I was on my way home from a, uh, I was a 
choir rehearsal and um, this was my earlier days and you know when you try to get as much gas out of that gas tank as you can before you have to fill yep. it again and I misjudged and I ran out of gas and I kind of had to pull off the road and onto a side road and walked up and figured well you know there's a gas station two miles down the road may I walk down there and get a gas can and uh, so I come up on the road and I start walking all of a sudden here comes a car and it pulls right over and the person looked at me and said, oh, we're trying to find you. We were going the other way and noticed it looked like you were having some car trouble. Can we help you? I'm like, yeah, and I explained the whole situation. He's like, jump in. He's like, I got a gas can in the back. I'll take you down. We'll get some gas. We'll come up. We'll fill you up. And we did just that. Just drove down, came back. And in my heart, I'm thinking, wow, just so awesome to see that there's people that still care yep. in this world. And now, again, this is as a believer. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that point, I would say a fairly mature believer. And then everything gets done. Everything is all taken care of. And he goes and he says goodbye. And, and then he goes, turns his car. And, and then he rolls down his window one last time. He's like, oh, by the way, just one other thing. I'm like, what's that? He's like, do you know Jesus is your personal savior? <laughs> and you know, as, as a believer, I should be, oh, that's so awesome that he's asking. But all of a sudden, something just reared up in me. And it's like, how dare you? Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, it's like, is the only thought that entered my mind, even as a believer at that point, is, is this the only reason you filled up my car with gas? Was so you could witness to me? Or was it because you really loved and really cared? That made such an impact on mm -hmm. me. And, um, and I think that that's kind of what Jesus was dealing with here. You know what? He needs to know I just care about him. Right. He needs to know I just love him today. Right. There'll be another day. I'll deal with the other. And, and that's what, you know, to me, that's, that is the neat part about it, because as the Spirit of God starts a work, mm. he doesn't just throw you on the dung heap and say, okay, you haven't done it. No, you know, it is a continual process mm -hmm. in which God, at least I, I saw that in my own life, yeah. that it was a continual process in which God did, you know. Um, and I find it interesting, and you made mention of this earlier, Tim, wondering how long a period between the time that he was healed and the time in which uh, he became really introduced to who Jesus was and Jesus asking about his sin or, or making a statement about his sin. I personally think it's the same day mm -hmm. because of verse 9, um, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And we find now that the Pharisees were all bent out of shape. Why? Because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath, and they were there during that time. So I suspect maybe an hour or two may have passed, but you know it was a mm -hmm. relatively short period of time. I don't think it was weeks mm -hmm. or whatever, but I think it was a relatively short period of time that you know Jesus goes and says, "So how you doing?" Mm -hmm. You know, kind of thing, and and then he comes to know him. Mm -hmm. You know. So we got that. So now the Jews, this is, this is what really gets me, is the Jews were looking at, well, you didn't keep, you didn't keep the law. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't keep the Sabbath. You healed a man on the Sabbath. You made the man break the Sabbath by picking up his bed and taking off. Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of person are you? What kind of God are you? Or, or you know, you claim to be God. Mm -hmm. and what are you doing? But what was Jesus' number one of, what was his number one a priority? Mm -hmm. His people. That's it. You know, and, and mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we got that. Yet the Pharisees were looking at this, this box and, mm -hmm. and saying, hey, you didn't keep the Sabbath. You broke it. You can't be of God. You can't be of this. Mm -hmm. 
And Jesus, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, and it's not so much that Jesus broke the Sabbath. Jesus broke what they interpreted the Sabbath, how you needed to live to make the Sabbath a reality. Right. You know, never once do you see it mentioned in the Old Testament scripture that it is a sin to pick up your bed and walk, mm. <laughs> right? And especially when it looks like he's not walking all that far, you know? But what they did is they made these interpretations of, well, God told us that we should remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So what does keep it holy mean? And then they made a whole list of rules and regulations of what it means to make it holy. And at what point does it now become unholy? Well, if I walk more than so far on the Sabbath day, well, now it has become work, I think. And, and they made those those are man-made laws. Exactly. And well, they started with what they knew to be a God law. They made a lot of their own laws in addition to that. But then they have now elevated their own laws to be as though they were God's law. Yeah. And listen to this. This is found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 27 28. And he said unto them, meaning Jesus, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Right. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also. Mm-hmm of the Sabbath. You know, so why did God establish the Sabbath? He, he established the Sabbath because he knew that man did not know enough mm-hmm. to slow down and get some rest. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you look at it in, in the actual context, right? I mean, this is give, being given to the Israelites. Now, when was it given to them? It was given to them at Mount Sinai, which, by the way, is where they were, t- uh, where Moses had originally asked Pharaoh, let me and take my people to the mount where we can worship our God, right? That was the ultimate thing. And so now they have come there and God has established them saying, remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Why? For 400 years, they've been been slaves, Yep. right? And, And they had no idea of what it meant to be able to have a day that you did not have to work. Yep. And so God is saying two things really with that passage. Like, number one, you take this day and you set it apart, number one, to worship me, but also to play, yep. <laughs> you know, because you don't know what it means to take that time just to rest. Yep. And, you know, and that's why I laid out that, you know, just as the Father rested, I want you to rest, right. you know, uh, one day a week. And because it also keeps us dependent, because if we're working all the time, then somehow we begin to think that nothing. We're, if we're going to get anything, it's only going to be on our own avail. And when you take a day where you're not doing anything, and, and for the Jews, there's even a time called the year of Jubilee where they didn't do anything. For, well, that's the same and, year, right? Right. And so what does that teach you if you're not doing anything for a year? You learn what it means to be truly dependent on another. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the other purpose of the Sabbath, was to bring those things. It wasn't simply so that man would serve that Sabbath day. Well, Colin just said that our time is almost up, so I really need to get down to verse 14 and 15. Afterwards, Jesus, finding him in the temple, I believe, once again, this probably is the same day, and said to him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. And, and I don't know if we need to pick it up next week to get into this a little further, but why would Jesus say that? Um, lest a worse thing come unto you. Um, this is what, what I did. This is how I did it. Now you, what, I mean, what does he mean by that? Mm. That's a very good point. Very good point. Um, it, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can probably try to um, 
make sense of this. The one thing that kind of stands out to me with this is one other time where I hear this kind of talked about. It dealt with a, a person that had been demon-possessed. And God mentioned about, you know, being careful, you know, about casting out a demon, lest seven more come right. back and take their place. And so it, it would almost tend to lean, lean one. I'm not saying this is the actual interpretation of it, but one could lean into the fact that this, this um, infirmity that's upon him was not just because something just happened to him, that maybe there was something in his life that had brought this right. upon him. And now Jesus is coming in grace, even though he deserved this, in a sense, as punishment, because right. um, it was believed in that society that if you were ill in any way, that was a punishment from God. And you're seeing him saying, now go sin no more. So sin no more implies what? You have been sinning. Right. You know, there, there are things that maybe brought this on. And now I have reached out in grace and said, enough is enough. Yep. You know, and so now walk in wholeness, but be very, very careful because now if you sin again on this, it's not only going to bring that back on you, but now you're, you're sinning. Before you may have done it, not knowing exactly what you're doing, but now you do, and it's going to go even that much worse yep. for you. Yeah, and, and, and I, I certainly thoroughly agree with that, that I think that that, that, that is the thing is, and, and we need to be very careful. It's like, for example, you know, and, and not to pick on anybody, but someone who, whether they have a drug habit or alcohol habit or what, pornography mm -hmm. habit, whatever the case may be, if, if you know, if God has um, delivered you from those things and then you go back into those things, it's going to have a stronger grip on you than ever before. And, you know, that's the way I look at it, at mm -hmm. least, that that is the way it's going to happen. So we're going to have to pick up on this section, maybe pick up next week on, okay, the Pharisees' response mm. to Jesus healing this man and loving on this man mm. and, and how they responded to Jesus. And also, once again, now the man finds out who it was that touched him and said, yes, it was this Jesus that touched me and, mm. and go on from there. I'm Pastor Harold Noyce, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We're located on the lower road in Athens, Vermont, a little tiny community in Vermont. And... We have morning worship at 9.30 every Sunday morning. We have evening worship at 6 p.m. We have Bible studies during the week. We have prayer meeting on Wednesday night there in the sanctuary. And if you're in our area, we'd certainly love to have you stop by and say hi and, and uh, come visit with us. And if you're in the Charlestown, New Hampshire area, Life on Main meets at the Charlestown Senior Center at 223 Old Springfield Road in Charlestown. We gather Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock for time of fellowship and coffee. Uh, service follows at 11 with some traditional songs, as well as contemporary choruses and great time in the Word together. Uh, first Sunday of every month, we also have a, um, a potluck after the service, so I invite you to be a part of that. But just come out, let us get a chance to also get to know you and a chance for you to uh, be able to get to know us as well. And you can also call uh, the church office number there, and we can set you up with the different Bible studies and prayer meetings that happen throughout the week. We want to thank everybody here at uh, FAC TV uh, for all their assistance in making this program a reality. Uh, you can also find us at a new station in Keene, New Hampshire that's just started yep, in the last isn't that month. Wonderful? Yep. And so if you know people in the Keene, New Hampshire area, let them know they can tune into Heartline down there, as well as along the Connecticut River, River Valley um, on many of the community stations there throughout Vermont. Uh, you can also find us on a number of different websites and social media. We are on YouTube, on Rumble, Truth Social,